Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning for the very last time this year. Mm. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm just finishing a mouthful actually of brekkie. We had a hot brekkie here at the studio, well at the office at least, last day of the year. Yep. Liam's last session with us. Ooh. Liam. Oh, yeah, Liam. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Look. So, so, so Liam's heading off to another uh, chapter of his life next year. Um, and we were just talking about what we're thankful for be- as the sh- before the show was beginning. And so we're thankful for an amazing year of radio. We're thankful for all of you as listeners. Mm. We're thankful for uh, Liam's contribution to the show this year. We're thankful for the hot breakfast that... Liam and Minnie came in and made this morning, which oh, look, is absolutely amazing. I can't believe how much food there is on our plates. Too much. Right Got to be honest, it was more Minnie than me, um, but I'll take some. But look, you had the idea. Yeah, look, I'll and take that. And then Lyle ate the yep. food. So really it's a team effort. Yeah, that's effort. right. We definitely a team effort. We really smashed have, it out of the ballpark. I have uh, really worked hard to contribute to this effort. Yeah, yeah. And we appreciate what we you've sure done. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I said yes yep. yesterday. And I will say yes any day that anybody wants to. <laughs> and I said yes, I'll have some this morning. Yeah, and look, we got it Well, I did come a little bit extra early just in case you guys needed a hand, but we Look, I was here a little bit late also. But we got it done. I was here at like quarter two. Were you? Yeah. We did like, well. We got it done like and we're here now. Our bellies are full. Cutting potatoes or something or other, but um, the hash browns were kind of um, out gems? of packet. Yeah, Tim's yeah. <laughs> the packet. That's all right. That's all good. That's all good. I'm not that good of a chef. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm also thankful that my son arrived from Queensland yesterday. Oh, your yeah. Super glad that he's able to make it down and that he arrived safely. So absolutely, and that you're not in a hot spot that he can come. Yes, mm. yes, not in a hot spot. So lots of information right there. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so good news stories. 18 months into the first serious clinical trials. of Now, I don't know what this stands for, so I'm just going to read the letters, but C-P-I-S-P-R. Yes, that. Gene therapy, <laughs> whatever that is. Some clinical trials of some gene therapy. Of this thing, yes. Uh, so for sickle cell disease Ooh. and betathalassemia. Mm-hmm. All patients are free from symptoms without needing further blood infusions. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Right? That's cool. Isn't it? That's very cool. So I don't know a lot about either of these things, but basically- um, I don't know. I don't even heard of the second one, but I know about sickle cell anemia because I have a friend who had it. Oh, hey. Has it. Yep. Yeah, and so basically with this, they, yep, so 18 months have passed, but patients with the transfusion-dependent thalassemia are dependent on blood infusions from early childhood. Which I think is pretty rough. Yep. Like, can you imagine being a kid and having to just like yep. every, I think it's three to four weeks or something? Uh, the only available cure for both diseases um, is a bone marrow transplant from a closely related donor. Um, and studies for the treatment, researchers' goals was to functionally cure the blood disorders using this CPISPR CAD9. So whatever this is, this gene editing, basically. Uh, so what they wanted to do was increase the – I've lost my note – increase the production of um, fetal hemoglobins, I think is what they're called, which produce normal healthy red blood cells, as opposed to the misa- misshapen cells produced by the faulty hemoglobin in um, the individual's individuals who have this. So during the clinical trials, it basically involved collecting stem cells from patients, 
having the researchers edit the cells and infuse the gene-modified cells back into the patients. That's cool. It's pretty hectic, isn't it? The fact that you can do this, though. Oh, it's Let's just, just nuts. remove this really important thing. Obviously not all of them, but just enough that we can play around with the, I don't know, the edit coding it, edit, in it. Yeah. Edit it. Yeah. And then insert <coughs> change, it back Change in. the words in it. Yeah, that's the one. Like we're going to do with it's our wild. clue. Um, and, yeah, and so prior to the modified cells, patients were required to have, you know, as I said, blood transfusions every three to four weeks. Of the ten trial patients, so seven had the sickle cell and three had the beta them, them, the other one, which I can't find where I've written it down. Uh, and so all of them have s- shown substantial and sustained improvement. And Dr. Frangol, I think his name is, he suggested that, that because of the precise way this gene editing system works, he was just like, this te- technique could potentially cure um, a bunch of diseases that have a genetic origin. And I just think this is like, this is phenomenal technology. Humans are amazing. This yeah. is like, it just boggles my mind. I mean, it boggles my mind that there is so much information written inside of a human being. Oh, yeah. And then it boggles my mind even further that we can learn how to read that. Uh-huh. And then now, not only can we read it, we can edit it. No, we can play around with genes. Yes. That's what is that? nuts. Uh-huh. That is seriously nuts. I just imagine that, yeah, I guess these are scientists and researchers and whatever you want, but they, they're they actually quite artists in a way as well. Like, Yeah, I think so. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, Because you, you're not creating. Only God can create. That's right. But the fact that you can learn enough to go, this is the way it works, this is the way we put it together, this is the way we can make it better, that's phenomenal. Fix it. Fix it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, not yeah, try yeah, making yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah, true, let's true, not true. try making yeah. it better. Let's, let's fix it. Yeah. True. If we're gonna go hard on it, let's let's do it properly. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a little bit scary when they start. You know, what are they going to do? Make super athletes and super soldiers? And, yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll be we'll be going down the. Uh, <laughs> do you reckon that would really happen though? I don't reckon. Human beings are human beings. They'll give it a go, won't they? Absolutely. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> I do. You I know do. That. You know they will if they can. They will try it. Oh yeah. But that's sort of, I mean, I think, yeah, you can go destructive with that and you can get to the point, you know, there's a whole bunch of controversial issues that we go, hey, are, are you playing God with this? Yes. That you shouldn't be playing in these areas. At the same time, I kind of love this idealistic, I don't know, I'll call it a daydreaming nature that humans have. They're like, of course we can. Why not try to do the thing? Like, <laughs> Well, we dream it up. We make a movie about it and yeah. then, you know, 20, 30 years down the track, we actually do it. Yeah. So, you know. It's all the things we just dream up. Absolutely. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about some news. Okay. Stories. We'll get there eventually. Well, <laughs> right, it's a new church just formed in the United States. Okay. Brand new church. Yeah. It is called the Liberation Methodist Connection. Interesting. What is this? So there's going to be a major denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and its entire foundation is based on how you like to have sex. That is not what I was expecting you to say. Okay. Um, what? Yes. Okay, explain this some more. Okay, all right. So um, it, it's, um, yeah, so basically it's formed or defined by your sexuality. So in 2016, the Methodist Church in the United States, because they have the Methodist Church instead of the Uniting Church. Okay. Um, we have the Uniting Church in Australia. The rest of the world has the Methodist Church. Oh. Um, so in 2016, there was a major push at their general conference um, 
to have LGBT plus clergy and allow uh, their ministers to do same-sex marriage, um, which was voted down. Now, that was voted down in a special session that they had called in 2019. So in 2016, they're like, yeah, we're not really ready to make this decision yet. Let's have a special session in 2019. Give us a few years to think about it, pray about it, study about it, etc. form study committees and so forth, mm. and report back and have a vote in 2019. Why you would need to do that, I'm not really sure. There's not very many verses in the Bible on this subject, but those that are there are clear. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so... When it was voted down in 2019, they put forward a proposal to split the denomination uh, along lines of sexuality. Okay. Um, and so that decision was set down to be made in 2020 General Conference. This year. So when was that General Conference? Okay. That was supposed to happen earlier this year, mm. but, of course, that was postponed mm. due to COVID. And what they were actually uh, proposing to do was to – uh, form a new church as a result of the proposal that they were putting before the conference was to form a new church um, of conservative Methodists. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, the Methodist church now embraces um, LGBT clergy and um, same-sex marriage. However, for those who don't like that, we're going to form a new Methodist church that is conservative and doesn't do so. That was the proposal. It was all postponed because of um, of COVID and the Liberal side just got tired of waiting. So they're like, we're just going to form a new church. Right. And so rather than forming a new church and breaking away to the conservative side, they formed a new church and broke away to the Liberal side. Right. Um, so as far as theology goes, they're basically flexitarians. What is that? Well, they said they're flexible on theology. They're not so much concerned about theology, uh, but they build on this. This is the official statement. They build. This is this will do your head in. They build on liberation theologies developed by Latin American Roman Catholics in the nineteen fifties and sixties. So, yeah, yeah, I can okay. see your head kind of wait, spinning wait, wait. there. That sent my head spinning as well because I'm like, you can't get much further away from Roman Catholicism than Methodism. <laughs> <laughs> guys are doing a big 180 yeah. when they're going back to uh, Roman Catholicism so because the Methodist Church came out of the Wesley movement. Yeah, yeah, which is And the Wesley movement was one of the, you know, it was part of the later Reformation. Yeah. Your early Reformation was much closer to the Catholic Church, you know, your Lutheran Church, your Anglican Church, etc. Mm. vastly closer to the Catholic Church than your later Reformation churches like the Methodist Church, the Connection Church, your Baptist Churches, you know, these kind of things. Uh, yeah. And what interests me, now I'm not saying there aren't people in this who are Bible-believing Christians, but it interests me that you base – oh, this is so oh, – my brain. Yeah, so, but the thing is, how do you feel sitting in church when it's like, well, the reason I go to this church is because of how I like to have sex? <laughs> would people say that, though? But when you're sitting in church, you would have to think that. That's your reason for being there. That's the reason for this church existing. Whenever you are part of a breakaway group, the thing that is front and centre in your is mind the is the reason you broke away. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm. And, you, and you find breakaway groups and they kind of get stuck on a one-subject gospel mm. um, and really struggle to get away from that one subject because, you know, and I've, I've spent some time hanging around on the, on the, on the fringes, fringes of our church at times, and you get these people that are, they just get stuck on this one subject and they just can't get off it because it's their reason 
Mm. Their justification for having broken away. Yeah, no, I do see what you're saying, actually. But, yeah, so, wait, do you have more you want to say about this? Okay, so um, they've stated that, correct, doctrine is not their priority. Their core issues include reparations and environmentalism, um, along with a rejection of colonialism, white supremacy, um, patriarchy, clericalism, and heteronormativity, which is basically your checklist for modern-day wokeness. <laughs> yeah. So what I'd be curious about, because some of these things, I, I, I understand why they why people consider them very important. Like, and by the way, I, I support some of the things on here, you know, that they're against white supremacy. Totally. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. Some of these things, like, I, I actually Absolutely. think the Bible supports. Yes, definitely. But not all but, of them. And I think that, for me, one of the reasons why, well, I, I guess you can believe in God and not believe in the Bible, but the Bible gives you a standard for understanding who God is. That's right. So that gives me my, if I don't have an answer for this political discussion where there's a disagreements and argument, you know, whatever the thing is, well, where am I going back to? I need to have a space to come back to. Well, now I have the Bible, you know, and I'm not sure. I, I, I'm curious what you base that on. Like, I mean, if you're going to yeah, say as a group you, we... You, we're not going to base on the Bible. Yeah, like so what, how do you define, if someone comes into your church, what are you providing to go, hey, this is why this is so important to us other than personal belief and opinion and feeling, which can have its place. You know, like I I believe strongly about some of those things. Mm, for sure. You know, but but what is the basis for then sharing this belief with other people? Does that make sense? Yeah. It, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Basically what it comes down to is that it gives you the license mm. to invent a religion of whatever you feel like. Yeah, like which means you can create a God in your own image. Mm. Like, And they specifically state, Interesting. We seek not answers that lead us to correct doctrines as to why we suffer. So, in other words, we're not going to ask questions. So, this is kind of like a blind Whoa. faith. It's a bit scary, isn't it? That's a direct quote. We seek not answers that lead us to correct doctrines as to why we suffer. But the question of suffering okay. is so important. It's so important to the character of God. Yeah. So they're not looking for answers as to the character of God. So you can see what happens right here is exactly what you just said. Yeah. When you form a religion that creates license to make up any religion you want, you just go with, well, we don't need answers to that. We just do what we feel like. This my brain is just not actually connecting the dots here. It's, just, it's a bit of a challenge. I isn't feel it? like I've missed something that they're going for, and I don't understand what it is. They also said that we are the queer, strange fruit of what Wesley started. I think Wesley would kind of turn it in his grave, but anyway. Um, the other thing that is a little bit worrying is that they have encouraged all of their members to stay members mm. of the Methodist Church. Why? Uh, because then they have voting rights. And next time around, they can vote to unite the entire Methodist Church with the um, Liberation Methodist Connection. But you- so that's a political move and that's, that's a yeah, nasty political move. That is move. a that's nasty a really, really, move. That's a really not nice Because if you're going to say we don't want your doctrine but we do want the voice, yes, that doesn't really make sense. No. But it does show a, it does show the agenda that's behind it. Oh man, hectic! 
Uh, and they said it's about following Jesus to the margins. Now, this one reminds me of a parable uh-huh. of a guy, of a king back in the day who was traveling to a distant part of his realm and was riding in his carriage. And there was a part of the road that went along a cliff face. And so he called his carriage drivers in and said, How close can you drive to the edge of the cliff? I know this story. Yeah. And the first guy said, I can drive within, you know, 300 millimeters of the edge of the cliff and you'll be safe. Mm. Next guy came in, he's like, well, I really want to be the, have the privilege. And so he said, I can drive within 150 millimetres and you'll be safe. Next guy comes in and he's like, I need to up the ante right here. He says, I'm an expert driver. I can drive right on the edge and you'll be safe. Fourth guy comes in, gets the same question. He says, I'll drive as far away from the edge as I can possibly be. Mm. He gets the job. Mm. You know, they've made this statement here. Um it's about following Jesus to the margins. Well, they've gone well over the margin. Um, they've fallen off the edge of the cliff mm. into insanity. But um, this is this is what happens when you push out to the margins. Anyway, um, did want to cover this other story very quickly before we finish up. That in Australia, uh, alcohol consumption this year has increased by the magnitude of two. Billion dollars spending. Wow. Um, and so we should have done what uh, South Africa did and closed the bottle shops at the same time as we closed pubs and clubs, etc. That's a 17% increase. Um, we we drank uh, $6.18 billion worth of alcohol this year, um, which is $2 billion increase, That uh, which is um, all unproductive spending. So, yes, we want the economy to keep going and we want people to be spending money, but we want it to be productive. Yeah. And people would still have spent that money. They would have still spent that $2 billion. They just wouldn't have spent it on alcohol and it would have gone into a productive economy. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have uh, Jennifer Skews joining us on the phone for the last interview of the year. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here again. And we are super looking forward to picking up with where we left off from last week, talking about uh, emotional health. And, um, yeah, where did we get started this week? Well, I, I wanted to eventually talk more about the brain, but because we looked at emotional health and we're talking about the heart and then we went into relationships, one of the interesting things is to do with the gender differences within brain function. And this has a huge impact on how we relate to others in our relationship. And because the way the brain is wired in men and women is very different. And this can cause a lot of conflict, uh, particularly in communication and expectations. And the female brain is extremely well wired. It has lots of neurons and nerves running back and forth. They often have very busy brains. They're more emotionally focused. Whereas the male, his brain is more compartmentalised and they think more in boxes often. Um, And again, this can vary because we all have a feminine, masculine side, some more feminine, some more masculine with brain function. But men often have to work with one chunk of information at a time. They stay more focused on the job, whereas the female's brain has a tendency to move around a lot. It can skim a lot more information. It tends to be able to do several things at once. Um, So you have this difference and often women expect men to function in the same way and men don't understand how women 
um, actually operate and it's to do with brain function. So one of the things I do is often teach couples about the differences in their brain and how it works and to make allowances and, and not expect each other to have the same processing factors. Um, and that makes a huge difference, um, particularly for women. Um, often they expect the man to be able to do six things at once and um, gives them several bits of information and it's best to give one bit of information so the man can process it and uh, they're much more problem-solving oriented and then um, so it helps them to work out their communication style. So which one's better? <laughs> That's well, cheeky. I think I have a bit of both actually. <laughs> because, because of the feminine masculine edge, and it's you know, we can be extreme on either end, either too cut and dried and compartmentalized and black and white, and you do get that, um, or too emotionally focused and not able to rein it in. So there's always an extreme, we always work on continuums. Right. And some, it, it also has a lot to do with how we're trained or raised, you know, depending on the models we have and what the models are within our own home environment as far as processing and emotions go. So there's a lot involved in that development. Um, but I guess the good news is when we're aware of things, we can change things um, because when the brain has information, particularly about how it functions, it works a lot smarter. Yes, it's one of those things that I sometimes find myself uh, in conversation with my wife, just sort of quietly reminding her, I'm a man, men are simple creatures. <laughs> we are not that complex. <laughs> no, women make it more complex often, and I'm generalising here because uh, some women can have definitely a more masculine side to the brain, and that's what I find. I can think in either terms. I'm probably a bit more problem-solving and that, but I can also function with lots of information. So I see I've got the best of both worlds, but yes. yeah, not everyone has. So some people but, some um, people get to be ambidextrous, ambidextrous <laughs> in their brain then. That's it, yes. And there's a lot of people like that around. Um, but what we, you know, as you were talking about with your wife, she has certain expectations of you and you're going, well, I can only do this much. Um, and I believe we were created with, the, the, you know, certain things in mind that we could do because men's role or the male role, when you look at uh, particularly the traditional role, that's changing now, of course, and the female role of raising children and virtually has to have eyes in the back of her head and has to be on the ball and do lots of things at once is different to going out to working in a job and problem solving and being focused on the job. So you can see where roles come into it. It's, um, it's always fascinated me how my wife can iron the clothes and not burn them <laughs> at the same time as watching the TV, at the same time as watching the kids, and at the same time as chatting with somebody on the phone. It's kind of, it kind of, and, and, and I find myself, you know, in the middle of a conversation while we're riding in the car, I come to a busy intersection. The conversation on my, my end just ceases while I navigate the busy intersection. I've safely done that. And then I'll just sort of pick up where I left off and my wife will look at me like, we were talking about that about three minutes ago. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was just one thing at a time, one thing at a time. 
That's right. See, men need to do one thing at a time. I've got great examples of that. But, uh, you know, we we have to be aware that for you to get you to do the one job and then the next one and the next one's great instead of overloading information all the time. And women tend to do that. They, and uh, I think I think there are, there you know there are advantages to being able to do one thing at a time because as as a man it I, and uh, it it gives us very good focus on the one thing that we're doing. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And again, there's extremes of that, but yes, it's that's the one pos- or a positive thing of males can have this focus and can look at they like to look at the problem and solve it generally. And again, we're generalising here, whereas. Uh, Women tend to, if they're doing too many things at once, fragment and they don't get something finished. And so this is where I help people to train their brain to focus because the brain learns. It, it, you can rewire your brain. It's uh, Until the day you die, it is constantly growing and changing. And re- irrelevant of gender, we can rewire and, and learn skills and do things. So it's... So- uh, so Jennifer, what was would would some of the things be that if someone is yeah on whatever end of the spectrum of thinking, what yes. would you start to explain to them in helping them rewire their brain in the way that they respond? In other words, in other words, if somebody if somebody was a bit of an overthinker, oh, no. <laughs> or if someone just wasn't thinking about things as much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Well, one of the things I do is do a lot of what we call psychoeducation, where I teach, I do a lot of teaching. I'm a teacher by early trade, and I find that really helps people to understand how their brain works and have a, because most people don't realize, they think, well, that's it, my brain's dead, it won't get any better. And once they learn that they can rewire the brain and that they can understand because we store how we store information and how um, the thinking brain really works because the brain is constantly thinking. It's a source of thought. And uh, for women, they have too much thinking at times. Uh, they go into overload. Um, so this is where training people to focus, particularly what we call mindful in the present moment, to be able to focus the brain and practice makes perfect. The more you practice with the brain, the more it wires in cells um, and the habit becomes um, a new habit. Because when you stop using a habit, you can lose the cells actually start to die out. Uh, But interestingly, they never fully die. There's a residue that is stored in the brain that can be resurrected. So any bad habit, even though we're not using it, can still be um, evident in the brain. Mm. So, when you talk about, um, yeah, I, I guess my, my my question is, when a person finds himself, you know, with this bad habit, or they are overthinking, and they need to, you know, re- learn to really focus on something, where does where does the role of prayer come into this? Well, this is where there's some good studies on um, people who have faith and pray, and they tend to be more focused. They have a resource there that if the brain is doing too much, they can stop and quietly pray, which is really communicating with God. And uh, it wires the brain in in a a positive way. Um, And the interesting thing is with the body, when you have a positive input, and that's people who pray have a positive input um, or feel supported, then the actual cells of the body and the brain really pick up and are very you know, uplifted biochemically, 
So it's an interesting process. It is very powerful, the power of prayer. And as I said, there's a lot of research that shows the response of the brain and the body and the well-being. Um, and interestingly, people who use prayer as a resource um, and have faith often live about six years longer than people who don't. This is the studies that they've been doing. Mm. So it, it is powerful. Mm. What about the opposite end of the spectrum where somebody is so focused that they can't actually, you know, operate outside of the one thing that they are focusing on? What What is the solution there to train the brain? Yeah. Well, here you, you're looking, you're going into more obsessive compulsive sort of things where they're stuck in the mould. Um, and, and again, it's working with them to get them to understand the wiring of the brain and how that they can put in something new and getting them to do one little step at a time to start them to get out of sight of that box and have a look at why they do that. Is it really brain function or is it a safety zone for them for different reasons? So this is where then um, helping them to understand that can help them to step outside that box. Mm. Um, I mean, but if, it, if it is that the brain is so compartmentalised, then they have to learn to live with that. Um, but generally, people can make changes. It comes back to willingness to change and what can you change and how do you change. So I'm sort of teach people how to change. Fantastic. Jennifer Skews, we are out of time. We have a little bit of a short one today, but thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.